We are a broken people and a world of broken relationships, cracked and chipped. We live a life of mending, and the grace of God is the glue that puts things right again. Two teenage boys, about the same age, separated by the distance of geography and countless generations, but both with broken backgrounds and relationships. Joseph, a true son of Israel from Canaan, and Maywin Sugget, the son of a 5th century Roman cavalry officer from a small town near Dumberton, Scotland. The story of Joseph is so familiar to us that we probably don't even need to go over it. You're familiar, I'm sure, with Joseph's, say, trouble with his siblings, dreams and attitudes that alienated his brothers, and first led to a bloody murder plot, and then finally to his life being sold into slavery while his death was faked. On the other hand, Maywin Sugget was kidnapped by pirates. Now, this was back before pirates were fun and swashbuckling and child-friendly. He was taken to a wild and foreign land and then sold as a slave to a pagan priest. Of course, we know what happened to Joseph. He served to great acclaim in Potiphar's house. But since hell hath no fury like Potiphar's wife, he was subsequently and unjustly thrown into prison, where he was highly regarded by the jailer and the other prisoners. And in each of these places, Scripture tells us that God was with Joseph. Maywin, on the other hand, didn't know God in this way. When he became a slave, he was just as much in the dark as the people that he was enslaved to. But Maywin was transformed in his captivity. He would later write, And there the Lord opened my mind to an awareness of my unbelief. In order that even so late I might remember my transgressions and turn with all my heart to the Lord my God, who had regard for my insignificance and pitied my youth and ignorance, and he watched over me before I knew him. More and more did the love of God and my fear of him and faith increase, and my spirit was moved so that in a day I said from one up to a hundred prayers, and in the night a like number." Besides, I used to stay out in the forest and on the mountains, and I would wake up before daylight to pray in the snow, in icy coldness, in rain. And I used to feel neither ill nor any slothfulness, because, as I now see, the Spirit was burning in me at the time. Despite his physical captivity, Maywin's soul found freedom. In Egypt, God was also with Joseph through the dark times. Until after helping Pharaoh, he was set free from from prison and then placed in charge of the entire country. Maywin was also able to escape his enslavement. After serving six years as a slave, one night while fasting, he heard in a dream that he should go and walk 200 miles to board a ship to go home to freedom. And so, like Joseph, he left behind the land of his captivity. Joseph's call to reconciliation was a long time in coming. Nearly 20 years after he had last seen his brothers, his brothers show up before him to buy grain in the midst of a drought. Now at his departure, Joseph was bound up and weak at the mercy of his brothers. Yet here are his brothers before him in the palm of his hand. The prospects for for revenge must have been seductively sweet. 
But as we know, Joseph forgave his brothers. He worked to restore their relationship. He repaired the relationship with those who had sold him into slavery. Now, Maywin was also given the opportunity for reconciliation, but not with estranged brothers. Rather, he had a call to reconciliation with the people of Ireland, where he served as a slave for six years. Like Paul's vision of a man from Macedonia, Maywin had a vision. I saw a man whose name was Victoricus, coming as if from Ireland with innumerable letters. And he gave me one of them, and I read the beginning of the letter, the voice of the Irish. And as I was reading the beginning of the letter, I seemed at that moment to hear the voice of those who were beside the forest of Falklet, which is near the western sea. And they were crying as if with one voice, We beg you, holy youth, that you shall come and shall walk again among us. And I was stung intensely in my heart so that I could read no more, and thus I awoke. Maywin pursued his studies in the priesthood. He spent a number of years at a monastery. He was ordained as a bishop, and with his new title came his new name, Patrick. Patrick left Ireland as a slave. And then later in life, he went back to bring freedom to his captors. His captors who were in the bondage of darkness. And it is Patrick, it is as Patrick that young Maywin Suggett is remembered. Remembered because of his love for the people of Ireland. The uncivilized druids and pagans who weighed so heavily on his heart. Now what would cause these betrayed young men sold into slavery as teens to seek reconciliation so many years later? Well, Joseph's answer comes in Genesis 50 verse 20. As for you... You meant to harm me, but God intended it for a good purpose, so he could preserve the lives of many people, as you can see this day. Joseph saw God's hand in his life. He understood that all that seemed to have gone wrong was to protect the formation and growth of something beautiful. The sprouting and flourishing of something beautiful, well fertilized by all of the mess in Joseph's life. Joseph answered God's call to reconciliation because he had been looking for and had seen God at work in dark places and through dry times. And through all of that, Joseph allowed God to keep his heart well tilled, soft so that forgiveness and grace could take root. Patrick's life also bore this fruit of grace. He preached the gospel throughout Ireland for 40 years. He made numerous disciples, and together they converted tens of thousands. Kings and kingdoms came to Christ. He built churches all over the land and brought the light and life of Christ to a land that had been trapped in darkness. What prompted a former slave to go back to his captors? Patrick wrote, I never had any reason except the gospel and his promises ever to have returned to that nation from which I had previously escaped with difficulty. It is the gospel which calls us to reconciliation. And it is the reconciliation we receive from God that sets the model for reconciliation with those around us. And as we look For the ways that God is at work through hardship, we may in due time discern how God has protected the growth of something beautiful. 
the tender new growth of something that God has had at work in us a long time. And we may begin to see that God is at work and putting us back together. Because we are all like a bunch of cracked vases, earthen vessels fired in the kilns of this hot and dry world. Cracked and chipped, we are held together with daubs and bits of glue, mended and repaired over the years. We were born broken, and we live each day trying to keep the pieces of our shattered lives from coming apart again. But only the grace of God can mend these shards of our lives and our relationships. We are held together through grace. And through grace, we mend those relationships that have become as cracked and as chipped as we are. The call to reconciliation comes from the pulling and tugging of the very glue that holds us together. From within our mended lives, we can hear God's grace calling out. Grace that yearns to fill the voids and cracks of those around us. Can you hear this call to reconciliation? Our world and its people are riven apart by conflict and wounds, both new and old. And the pieces are strewn about and in need of repair. We need reconciliation with God and with our neighbors, within families and friendships and communities. We need reconciliation between races and nations, reconciliation with the environment, and even reconciliation within our own faith and within our own denomination. May we each respond to this call of reconciliation. We are a broken people in a world of broken relationships. Cracked and chipped, we live a life of mending, and the grace of God is the glue that puts all things right.